This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the Senior Editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. The debate over school vouchers has usually focused on student achievement. In some places, vouchers that help low-income students attend a private school are boosting student performance, especially that of minority students. But in other places, a voucher opportunity seems to have no particular benefit for student learning. In Louisiana, the students with vouchers were performing less well on standardized state tests. But many parents who use vouchers to attend a private school are as much or more concerned about the safety of their child at school as they are about achievement. And by safety, parents often mean more than just making sure the child doesn't get injured on the playground. They want to keep their child away from the gangs and from other negative influences that can lead their son or daughter into a world of crime that can lead to years of imprisonment. Well, can vouchers actually help parents achieve that goal? A just released paper by Corey DeAngelis and Patrick Wolf, published in the most recent issue of the Journal of Private Enterprise, finds that those who participated in the Milwaukee voucher program in eighth and ninth grade were less likely to be convicted of various crimes. So to discuss this paper, I have with me today on the Education Exchange, Corey DeAngelis, the Director of the Program on School Choice at the Reason Foundation and an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. So Corey, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Paul. So Corey, your latest findings are capturing a lot of attention in the news media at a time when people around the country are concerned about public safety more than they have ever been. So what would you say are your most important findings in this study? Yeah, again, thanks for having me, Paul. And I just want to point out that you're right uh, in the introduction where you pointed out that families are choosing schools for a lot of different reasons in Milwaukee and elsewhere. And it could be partially based on the how well the school changes academic outcomes. But when you survey families, they often report that they care a lot about the safety of their children and other you know, cultural aspects of the schools as well. Um, so that really got us to looking into you know, what type of effects could the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program have on longer term outcomes such as criminal activity and fraternity suits. And our main takeaways here is that compared to a matched uh, sample of students in the traditional public school system in Milwaukee, we found that using the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program was associated with pretty substantial reductions in drug convictions, property damage crimes, and also uh, paternity suits. In particular, we found about a 53% reduction in drug convictions, an 86% reduction in property damage convictions, and about a 38% reduction in paternity suits uh, as well, which is a new measure that we haven't, hadn't looked at in our previous evaluation uh, linking the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program to longer-term outcomes. And this could be a proxy for out-of-wedlock bursts that could go along with the, uh, the uh, character shaping or the character formation of these private schools. So you're interpreting these findings as uh, telling us something about the impact of going to a private school on the character of a student, that a student's character is formed at school, as we all know, and private schools do a better job of making sure people live uh, uh, lives that keep them from uh, the bad pathways that are always uh, seductive out there, especially for people who are uh, lacking in means. 
Yeah, and th this is one of the theories that we put forward that could be uh, character shaping and character development, which has been found in the large bodies of research linking private school choice uh, initiatives to civic outcomes. P Patrick Wolf, my co-author, did a review on this before, actually at Education Next in 2007. And more recently, I did one at the Journal of School Choice uh, reviewing this evidence, and it's largely uh, null to positive findings linking uh, private school choice initiatives to these types of civic outcomes, such as tolerance uh, of others, and then also uh, political uh, knowledge and uh, participation. Uh, so a lot of these civic outcomes have been positive. But this is a little different because this is about crime and this is about, you know, getting yourself in trouble with the law or, or, or not fulfilling your obligation. So this is really much more, it's not just sort of like political knowledge or political mm. participation. It's something very deep in people's lives. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And look, uh, private schools do have an incentive to do a good job at shaping these types of character skills because parents care about the character formation of, of their children. And so we think that's one of the theoretical mechanisms at play here. Could also be that uh, private schools are less likely to have, uh, you know, uh, the public police officers or government police officers on campuses. So that could be part of it as well. But we think that uh, the uh, the character development aspect is important in, in in these findings as well. Especially since we also see the reduction in paternity suits um, uh, as well. And I also want to say that there are only six peer-reviewed studies linking private school choice or school choice in general to uh, criminal activity outcomes and all six of the studies, either you know, through district school choice or charter school choice or private school choice, all six of them are peer reviewed and all of them find statistically significant reductions in criminal activity. And they all seem to be pretty large reductions as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a private school. It can, other forms of choice uh, also seem to have the same positive effect on uh, keeping kids out of trouble. Yeah, if you look, for example, uh, the, uh, the the study from 2015, Dobby and Fryer looked at lot. They did a random assignment study comparing lottery winners to uh, high quality charter schools in Harlem's Children's Zone and compared them to lottery losers. And they found that for male students, at least, there was a complete elimination of incarceration. It was a 4.4 percentage point reduction in crime, which uh, led to be, which relative to the base was essentially a 100% elimination of crime. And they also found a similar study uh, finding to us in that they found that lottery winners for female students were about 59% li less likely to report a teenage pregnancy, um, which is kind of similar to our pater our, our finding for a 38% reduction. You didn't have any direct, you didn't have any direct information on, uh, out of wedlock pregnancies. So this is sort of the paternity. It's a, like, kind of like a proxy measure. And we think it's yes. uh, partially could be explained um, uh, um, about, by out of wedlock births. And we've, we've found this in another, uh, Eric Bettinger actually found this in another uh, random assignment study of a private school voucher program in, I want to say, Columbia, found that uh, there was also a very substantial reduction in uh, teenage childbirths um, from winning a, a voucher lottery in, in that country. Um, so, so now tell me a little bit about the Milwaukee voucher program because your finding comes from Milwaukee and Milwaukee is the oldest voucher program and it's I think the largest one. And now when exactly were these students in school? I know they were in eighth and ninth grade 
And uh, so one, actually one of my questions is, why did you look at those kids that were in eighth and ninth grade? And in what year was that? Yeah, I believe it was 2005 or 2006. This was the same sample of students that was used in the uh, other longitudinal evaluation of the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program. Um, and so they matched uh, a sample of eighth or ninth graders to the students in the using the program to the students using uh, within the uh, traditional public school system. And so we essentially just used that same uh, data set and continued the evaluation to look at longer term outcomes. But I believe it was in 2005 or 2006. So now you find bigger differences for boys than for girls, for the male students and the female ones. Was that a big difference between by gender or and why why do you think you got such a big difference by gender? This was found in the other studies as well. I pointed out that the main finding from uh, Dobby and Fryer was a huge reduction for male students. We found this in our first iteration of the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program study linking linking the the program to crime reductions and we found in both studies bigger reductions for males. And I think this makes sense because males are just notoriously more likely to commit crimes. So if males are more likely to commit crimes, we, we should expect uh, to see larger reductions uh, for male students than, than for female students. Well, there's one thing that some critics are going to bring up for sure. And so I wanna ask you about that. And that is, okay, so the parents who selected their kids to go to the private school, are people who probably really care especially about the safety and well-being and the character of their children. That's why they put them into the private school in the first place. So are you sure that it's being in the private school that counts or maybe it's just the people who send their kids to a private school are ones who are doing a good job of raising their children? Yeah, this concern can be brought up for any non-experimental, non-lottery-based study, but I do think that we did the best that we could with the information that we had. And you know what we've seen from other replication studies is that it's really important to include a geographic match, uh, you know, match on location. And so we were able to do that with our uh, matching procedure. We matched students in the same census tract, which are essentially the same neighborhood, which controls for a lot of those, uh, which could be a, a, you know, at least a proxy measure for a lot of those uh, um, selection issues uh, that could otherwise bias the estimates. Um, and then another you know, point, point that I want to point out is we, we controlled for a lot of different baseline characteristics of the students from you know, race, uh, income brackets, uh, and then also uh, the gender of the students, obviously. And uh, we also controlled for baseline test scores, which could account for um, a lot of those differences as well. Um, but it is true that there still could be some lingering uh, selection bias uh, because this is not a random assignment uh, study. Um, but also there could be selection in the other direction. It could be that the least advantaged families are more likely to switch to the private school sector through the voucher program uh, because they uh, may be the least well served by their traditional public schools. And in fact, I did a, a, a review of this evidence at the uh, at Education Next. The article is called um, "Vouchers Tend to Serve the Less Advantaged," and there's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that even out of the disadvantaged population of students that are eligible for voucher programs, 
programs, which uh, happens to be the case in Milwaukee too, that it's uh, targeted to disadvantaged populations of students. Uh, even, even out of that disadvantaged sub, subgroup of pop, uh, population of students that are eligible for the program, uh, some studies indicate that even the least advantaged of that disadvantaged group are more likely to apply for the program. So the selection bias could go uh, so you're not ways. saying that it's obviously that it's the parents who are the more responsible parents who are the ones who are uh, placing their child in the in the voucher program. Yeah, it could go both ways. And there's there's some evidence to suggest that in some places and sometimes um, it's the least least advantaged families that select even out of that disadvantaged subgroup of, of students using the program. And I will say in Milwaukee, um, it is targeted to disadvantaged populations of students. So that that argument doesn't have as much hold as much water uh, when when you're when we're thinking about these types of programs. But Milwaukee is a special place. It's a declining industrial city. It has limited job opportunities. It has serious social problems, you know. And you could imagine that's exactly the kind of place where vouchers would have a big impact on reducing criminal activity. But do you think it would really have the same effect in other contexts? Yeah, it certainly could, theoretically speaking, uh, especially because families choose schools uh, based on based on all of these different characteristics that are not measured by standardized test scores, and they want their children to stay out of the cri criminal justice system. So crime can happen anywhere, not just in 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 places like Milwaukee. Um, and there are other studies that have looked at other places. Um, it, yeah, the Dobby and Fryer study was in New York City, so that's similar. You know, similar in that it's an urban area. Um, but I think David Deming's uh, analysis on this was from Charlotte as, as well. Uh, so we do need more research on the topic. Uh, but from all six of the studies we have on the topic, uh, it looks like school choice is associated with reductions in crime. But I will say, uh, it, you know, we we do want to. To continue studying this in other places, and Patrick Wolf and, and and I have a plan to uh, attempt to do a, a similar study in another location that is not an urban area. And I don't, I don't want to share that information of, with where that place is yet, but it, it is a place that has a pretty large private school choice program available to families in urban and non-urban areas. So I think that'll be the uh, the next study to look to 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 answer this question to see if um, the results are replicable uh, elsewhere. Well, that's interesting. So, where do you get the information on criminal activity, or uh, in this case, convictions? Is this uh, easily obtained, or or and how do you know you got all of the possible convictions that are out there? What does yeah, it's uh, it depends on where you're looking. In most places, it's pretty difficult to get criminal uh, records for individual students uh, because of privacy issues, and also, um, you know, it just may not be available um, in an easy form to put to put together. But in Milwaukee, actually, in the state of Wisconsin overall, which made this study feasible, is that all you need to look up someone's individual criminal activity from the age of, of 18 onward is the person's first name, last name, and date of birth, which we had available to us in the data from the longitudinal evaluation of the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program. And so all you need to do is go onto the website, type in this information, and it'll give you every single uh, criminal record on file for each of these people. I will say that did take a lot of work. 
Um, it took a, a, a real long time to do so for over you know, 2,000 students uh, you know, uh, in Milwaukee. But uh, that's, this is one of the few places where it's really easy to uh, access that information if you have those three data points. Um, and the other place that we're looking uh, to, to do a study, we're going to have to work with the Department of Education, the Department of Law Enforcement, and we're not going to be able to look it up ourselves, but they will hopefully, from our conversations, um, give us de-identified data. Uh, uh, for those students, but this is th that is how we did it in Milwaukee. We looked at looked it up online, which is uh, which is I, I don't know of many places that that have that information available online that that easily. So uh, fascinating. Now, how old were they when you know you said eighteen years and older, and you said uh, they were in school back in 2006. Uh, so what years were you looking at this and what ages would they be when you were uh, seeing whether or not there were any convictions? Yeah, we looked these criminal records up a few years ago and the, by the time that we're, when we were looking them up in the data set, uh, they were about 25 to 28 years of age. So these aren't super long-term outcomes. It's not like, you know, this is lifetime outcomes, but this is a pretty medium term uh, measure of criminal activity that you know they're they're you know already up to ten years out out of high school. Well, and that's I think when most people are first convicted is in that mm -hmm. uh, that decade between age twenty and age thirty. It, as people get older, they uh, if they haven't been involved in the life of crime, they're they have a pretty good chance of avoiding it. So it's probably you probably got a pretty good uh, period of time there to look at. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, uh, that that is probably the best time to capture it. And even if we did extend the analysis, you know, by five, ten years, it it might not be much of different findings because of that. So thank you very much, Corey, for joining me on the Education uh, Exchange. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Corey DeAngelis. His work has uh, contributed to our understanding of how school vouchers can actually uh, reduce incarceration rates uh, in, in, in big cities. So uh, thank you very much, Corey, for uh, joining me on Education Exchange. Thank you. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education X website every Monday at noon Eastern time.